Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The List. As always, my name is Brett. On the other end of the tin can of string, as always, is my friend Jordan. Jordan, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. It's a little cold here in South Florida over the last couple of days, which is nice. Um, and cold, I mean mid-70s, so it's been beautiful out. Um, how are you feeling? I know you've been under the weather the last couple episodes. Yeah, I'm feeling a lot better. Um, I'm gonna. I'm giving you a middle finger right now because you're in South Florida. I'm in Pennsylvania. It's about 30 degrees colder here than it is for you. Uh, but I can actually hear now. I can actually breathe. Still coughing a little bit, but I am on the mend, and it's great because Halloween's coming up, and that's one of my favorite seasons with the parties. Uh, but you know what else I love, Jordan? I love Miami Dolphins Twitter. I we thought you were gonna other. say you love love. I thought I, I think love, you love love, love a bit of meeting. I do love love too. And why I was getting with Miami Dolphins Twitter is not only do we defend each other, we promote each other, we fight against the haters, but we also help our own find love. And Jordan, we have a guest today, someone who's become famous to the point where even the New York Times is covering him. I think it was the New York Post. Either one. Yeah. Um, so we have um, Twitter handle the homie um, Omar on uh, and those uh, that kind of know Omar and have seen Omar on Twitter, which seems like it's about uh, 10 to 15 million people right now know who Omar is. Um, Omar is the guy from Section 347 that uh, thinks he found love and thinks love might have fell through his fingers. Um, so, Omar, first of all, we really appreciate you coming on the podcast. I appreciate the invite, guys. It's been a wacky last 72 hours, so appreciate the invite, though. Okay. Um, uh, so tell us the story. Went. What happened? So it basically, I just – it's kind of it's weird because when the game started, they weren't there. And then when they appeared, kind of it's like, okay, these are my, my seat roommates, basically, my seatmates. So Were they sitting we directly next yeah, they're directly to my right. I was with four, three of my buddies. We go to the game together pretty much every time. Um, so throughout the game, we're celebrating. We go don't we go down fourteen nothing. We're celebrating the comeback and stuff. So it's high high volume and high spirits. So then after the game happens, uh, kind of after right after the triple zeros, uh, we basically I go for a selfie on my own because I usually just do that um, just after games and post it on Instagram or whatever. And then she kind of jumps into the back into the background. I'm like, oh, okay. You want to take a selfie together? And then, then I do. But then I see my buddies heading out because I forgot we have to take one of one of my buddies to the airport, who leaves in like two hours. So then we rush out, and I think in the back of my mind, oh, maybe I should have gotten her number or Insta to kind of like send her the number to send her the the post. So, and then it just kind of like goes from there. So. Would your buddy, so you say you and your three buddies usually go to the games, you guys have season tickets or you just grab tickets and go as you can? Yeah, we just grab tickets. I'm a 20-year-old college student, so I'm, I don't have that type of money Fair. for season tickets yet. So uh, eventually I want to get to that kind of era uh, area to for uh, season tickets year in, year out. So. so you're 20. Do you know how old she is? No idea. <laughs> do you know her name? I do know her name. Okay, good. That's that's a great step in the right direction. Um, so you tweeted this picture. You said um, you kind of posted and asked if anybody knew who this person was. Um, did you expect it to blow up like this? 
No, I, I kind of posted it jokingly because I've seen a lot of similar posts. No, you people. did. You didn't okay. post it jokingly. I you did knew post what jokingly. you were doing so far. Oh, in a way, yes. In a way, no. So I didn't. Right. I expected uh, just some traction, like maybe like a few thousand like people seeing it. And they're like, like oh, like why didn't you just shoot your shot back then? But then it exploded into a couple hundred thousand, into the millions. And I'm like, oh, this is actually going to be like the big story on Dolphins Twitter now. And I'm like, why would I expect this at this any point? And I first posted it jokingly because I've seen other people post it like with their cameras to like the TV, like, oh, everyone know this girl. And then I've seen it happen on Twitter in the past. I find it kind of funny. So to update, because you said it had about 10 million views. I actually just checked while you were speaking. It currently has 13.7 million views. A retweet of it or a re-X of it has 4.4 million views. And there's another tweet here um, from somebody claiming to be her friend and the person that was sitting next to her. Um, have you gotten in contact with this girl that goes by Vodka Sarah? Uh, I haven't um, just because I'm not sure. I don't want to kind of push into like the trolls. I know I've seen a few fake accounts claiming to be her. Um, so I, I, I just retweeted it just kind of like to put it out there, but I haven't, I haven't messaged them at all. So just to be sure, but they said after the Eagles game, if we win or if we win, she'll come out, but I don't want to push kind of like everything, but I've been just trying to enjoy like the spotlight, I guess. So let me get this straight. You don't want to push, but you put out a tweet that has 13.7 million views trying to find this girl. But now you're deciding you don't want to push? My God, I, I, think you've already, I think you've already gone all in. Well, going all in would be kind of being more desperate at this point. I'm not really desperate for it. So I, the 13 million came out of nowhere, let's be honest. I, I've only had 1,500 followers. I usually have minimal interactions with people on Twitter. I think my biggest tweet... Before that one was me at the Dolphins game last year versus the Ravens, where I posted the final play for my seats. But any time between the September of last year to now, I've had basically, I don't have big tweets like that. So I expected minimal interactions, not something that exploded into being interviewed on, the, on some news sites and being here with you guys. Hey, I'll so, say this real quick. Uh, sorry, Joy, but I'll say this. I will. For someone who went viral with a tweet last year, um, the end result is me getting yelled at by Keyshawn Johnson on ESPN. So I think you have the better end end result end game of going viral than I did. So yeah, I've a lot of people are. I've seen a lot of funny comments. People trying to hype me up with like, "Oh, thanks for letting me borrow your McLaren. I'll I'll make sure to wash it and give it back to you soon." And I, I've seen all those comments. I appreciate all the love and all. Like I, I'm just I'm just trying to build a nice community. Dolphins Twitter. I know a lot of people within the community. I've met up with a lot of people in real life going to Dolphins games. So I, I'm just here to have fun. That's really it. Um. So I have the the real question. The one I, I made a list of a couple questions here, and this is the one I've wanted the answer to this entire time. Do we know for a fact that she's single? We have no idea. No. So there's she a could chance. Be completely- yeah, there's she a chance that there's married. a dude out there whose girlfriend, he's a big Dolphin fan, and his girlfriend has gone viral because people are looking for her because they want her to be with Omar. Yeah, basically. I hopefully, 
there isn't a boyfriend out there getting mad at this whole situation. If, if there is, I apologize for bringing attention to your girl. But um, guys got to do what the guy got to do. <laughs> you, you seem like you're lovely. You're a Dolphins fan. Do you hear how sincere this guy is? Omar, I just wanted you to know we're not bashing you in any way or anything. We're we're building you up. We think this is awesome, and um, most of us on here um, want nothing but the best for for you. Um, you said she was sitting in the couple seats next to you. Uh, you obviously celebrated the game. You got comfortable enough that uh, she felt the need to jump in a selfie with you. Is there anything that you do know about her? Is there anything like that you can give out, kind of like Cinderella's glass shoe, that you can tell about her? Um, that can maybe help people find her? Not really, no. Other than what the photo, what the photo is. Um, I didn't, so I you know nothing about it. Absolutely nothing. I, I, again, this is not something I was like looking for, you know, looking into. It was just something I just kind of like threw out there. So it's something you just threw out there. It's not something you put much thought into. It's obviously got a lot of traction. Have you thought about maybe what happens if it does work out? What if she does answer you? What if she does say, let's go on a date? What, what's, what do you do? We go from there. We live in the, we live, uh, in the moment. You know, if, if it doesn't turn into a, a good relationship, we turn into friends then. And it could be a big story. Dolphins Twitter, we met each other randomly at a game sitting next to each other we're good friends in the future and stuff like that like my, i've been talking to my my brothers my parents uh they know about this whole situation they think it's really funny and that's something i should um i should kind of keep in the news and pursue but i'm just trying to sit back lay back just kind of relax have fun but i i think after this eagles game it's going to come back up if we do win and even if we do lose, I, I've seen a lot of people just having fun with the tweet. I see people mocking my tweet, my original tweet with their own, like from pictures with other people years ago. So it's, it's just uh, been a fun ride. So I was going to switch topics, but I need to know what do, what do you what do your parents think? Like, do they approve? Yeah, they approve. My mom, my mom, who I live with still. Uh, she was, she, I told her a whole situation. She's like, no, you're lying. No way you got put on the New York post. I show her the, the article. She sent all of my family back in Argentina and, um, it, it, she's super supportive. She's having a lot of fun with it. My dad, I told her, I told him about it the other day. Uh, he was just laughing up a storm. He was having fun with it too. So they're fully supportive I, I'm with about it. So it's been cool. So a couple of people that were on Twitter to kind of change the subject here um, and a couple of people that I spoke to personally that alerted me to the story. Notice that your hat had a signature on it. Um, who signed your hat? Uh, so those signatures are actually from the Super Bowl convention when it was down in Miami back in 2020. They're actually signed by Carlos Hyde, I think, when he was just leaving the Texans and Byron Jones when he was just leaving the Cowboys before coming a Dolphin. So sometimes I just take credit for um, Byron Jones becoming a Dolphin because I told him to become a Dolphin. So I usually I sometimes take credit for it. You want to Who's your favorite Dolphin anymore? of all time? Oh, sorry, Brett. What'd you say? I said I don't know if you want to take credit for Byron Jones after last year anymore. I was I mean, trying to move on from that and just kind of <laughs> skip it so that you didn't have to live with that. I mean, we had one good year out of him, so I'm not upset with it. Um, so back to my question, who's your, who's your favorite dolphin of all time? Um, so I never really got a lot of fun players to watch, but probably my favorite is still Jarvis Landry. 
despite all the new players that have come on the roster, I think Jarvis Landry just fe- feels the Miami culture the best. And that's, I've always oh. loved him. I always, I always support him. So I want your honest opinion, and not because he's on the line waiting to possibly be interviewed in a little bit. What are your hype? Allegedly, it's it's clearly not him. So don't be alarmed when I ask you this question. What are your thoughts on Liam Eikenberg? Um, he had one good game last week, but looks like he's probably gonna face Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis. So hopefully, he just doesn't shit himself. Larry, any response? What else is he supposed to do, man? I mean, shit. You watch his past game. He's blocking damn Chai Tuttle, Derek Brown, Brian Burns. Has a good game, and now it's, oh, he better not shit himself. <laughs> Come on, I mean, do you, blame, do you blame us? Come on. Yeah, I do, because you're the one that said it. But do you blame people yes, for I'm having blaming that you for saying scared? it. But do you blame people, other people, not just me? There's a lot of it's people. Him. This is about him. <laughs> yes, I do blame you guys because you guys are the ones with the opinions. He's out there putting in work, like I've said so many times. Hey, if hey, he's in look. a ball at center and be one of our one of the best guys uh, against the Eagles and put up a fight with, especially with the help of Isaiah Wynn and Robert Hunt, if he just keep his mistakes to a minimum, we'll be good. But uh, he's he's there on the he's starting on the O line, so I gotta support him. So no matter what. There you go. So, Larry, we'll get to you in a little bit. Um, but to kind of close out with you, Omar, um, I just have two more questions. First of all, um, there was a comment that I received during this on the side um, from somebody that will not be named where they said, damn, thinking about this right now, I wish my love life was in Tua's hands. So knowing that... Um, you have an opportunity to possibly meet this girl if Tua goes to Philly Sunday night and beats the Eagles. I mean, how do you feel about the fact that potentially your love life is in Tua's hands? I mean, it's, it's, um, I don't really know how to react to that because I wouldn't say it's my love life. Uh, again, I'm just trying your like to just... life, your have fun life. Your... I have fun life. You can say it like that, I guess, or future community, uh, um, I guess I don't know. I don't know how to kind of describe it, but uh, but yeah, if it's if it comes down to that, if it comes into that situation, then yeah, it's gonna be pretty cool uh, that I can rely on my boy Tua, Tyreek, um, uh, Moster, Javon Holland, stuff like that. Those guys are amazing, but um, yeah, I don't I don't really know what to say to that. I guess Liam Eikenberg. <laughs> So here's the so actual question, you, Omar. If this become when this evidently becomes a, a movie, like a rom com movie, who's playing you in the movie? Um, I don't know. I, I never actually thought of that. I don't know. Maybe you guys have some good comparisons for me. Just because I watched the new Transformer movie, I'd say Anthony Ramos. Ooh, That's not bad. He could sing a little bit. Omar, you sing yeah. at all? No. <laughs> no. Absolutely. Have you not. seen Hamilton? I have, yeah. Okay. So Anthony Ramos plays two roles in Hamilton. Um, he's a great singer. So if he plays you, maybe there'll be a musical number in the song or in the uh, movie. It's a rom com. Of course, there'll be a musical number. 
uh, then you need Anthony Ramos, and it's it's settled. The the real question is who's going to play Larry? I got nothing. How did I get dragged into this? <laughs> I want to know who's playing you in the movie of Omar's life. I can play myself. Yeah, well, then people know who you are. That's the problem. Are you okay with that? I don't see why not. Okay, cool. Um, Omar, last question for you before we get you off. I know you have a bit, very busy life communicating with uh, people on Twitter, um, going to feed babies in orphanages, um, going to like cuddle with baby cows, um, and all the great humanitarian things you do since you are a saint. Um, if this girl agreed to go on a date with you, if she said um, she's more of a reserved girl, um, where would you take her on her first date? Oh, yeah. Um, I guess we're Ugh. backwards started, Come right? On, man, I'm trying to set you up. Hey. You, you got tw- 13 million people invested in your love life, and you're ugh-ing a first date? I mean, I, I guess you got to take it back to where it started, right? Section 347, row 5. Just take it straight back. That is fucking romantic. <laughs> I was thinking McDonald's. Their McChickens are pretty good. No comment on that. you. <laughs> You ever have McChickens with Mac sauce? Yeah, I'm not paying $4 for a McChicken anymore. They're $4 there? Yeah, they're $4.59 or something like that. They're $2 near me. Lucky. Inflation. It was a dollar like three years ago. Yep. Crazy. Remember the dollar menu? (laughs) Yeah. That's not existing anymore. Jesus. Oh, remember the dollar menu? I do remember the dollar menu as a kid. I do. As a kid, damn. Oh. <laughs> that make you feel old. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I'm not that much older than you. I I also haven't seen the Dolphins, uh, really win much. So you don't have to worry. Not not a lot of us have. Yeah. Omar, I'll say this before we let you go. I look at your Twitter. Um, next year is kind of a big tournament in the soccer world. I'm a soccer fan myself. I'm trying to teach Jordan a game. So in the next little bit, we're going to have to have you on again so we can get him ready for Copa. Copa America. got to get ready. I'm definitely going to an Argentinian game. Um, it's going to be fun. Hopefully Messi makes it, but hopefully we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I saw Neymar had his recent injury yesterday. I don't know if y'all saw the news. Yeah, ACL tear. But yeah, yeah I'll definitely. And, and his meniscus. And his meniscus. He tore both. Wow. Wow, well, thoughts and prayers to Neymar. When we get close to that, Omar, I definitely want to have you on so we can kind of preview some of the uh, South American teams, especially uh, Argentina, because I don't think a lot of people in our fan base know that it's more than just Messi, but our fan base also now has Messi in South Florida. So I think it would be a fun time. Yeah, exactly. Hey, just let me know. Uh, I'll, I'll be happily talk um, some ball with y'all, especially some football, if you want to call it that. I, I call them both football, so. Nice. Um, well, Omar, we really hope you stay in the Discord. I mean, it's a great community. There are a lot of people in here that really love the game, love the team. So uh, we hope you stick around. Um, but we really appreciate you coming on. Um, best of luck. I hope you keep us updated on your search. Um, and, yeah, go Dolphins. Yeah, go Dolphins. Thank you for the invite, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. All right, and of course, uh, you can check out Omar's Twitter at the homie 
and that's H-O-M-I-I-I-E. Um, good guy, and looking forward to having him as part of the community. Uh, Jordan, as we mentioned earlier, you're going to talk to Larry again. He get he gets to do his victory lap. Uh, we'll call it, since we have a Kendall Lamb propaganda episode, we'll call it the Liam Eikenberg propaganda, rather than hour, we'll say like 15 minutes maybe. Uh, but before we get to that, we actually had a question come up from one of our uh, social media members, and they want us to talk about Justin Herbert and why he may or may not be an elite quarterback. Now, for those that don't know, Jordan is a football coach. Uh, so, Jordan, I am interested to hear your opinions before I kind of give up my opinions on it. I think that what it comes down to, and I don't love bashing other coaches, but I, I think that um, Justin Herbert doesn't have the right head coach. There's no reason they should have lost that game. Um, there's no reason they should have lost that game to Dallas. Uh, you kick a field goal um, late in the first half. There were a couple times that they went for that they could have put points on the board. Um, from a coaching standpoint, I'm the type of person, I know it's different than a lot of people. Um, I like to take all the points I can get in the first half. Um, I think you could take chances late, and I'm very aggressive late. Um, I'm the type of person that if I'm down seven and I score a touchdown at the end of the game, I want to go for two and end it and not go to overtime. Um, but at, in the first half, you got to take what get, what comes to you. I think Brandon Staley is very, very over-aggressive. Um, I think Mike McDaniel's an aggressive coach. I don't think he's over-aggressive to almost the point of stupidity. Um, but there's a couple chances that you have to kick field goals. Um, there's a couple different things. They didn't once try uh, the quote-unquote tush-push. Um, they have a, a 6'5 quarterback. Um, and it seems like he's always throwing out routes in big situations. So um, you have Eckler. Um, you have a couple other backs. You're, you're a phys you should be a more physical team. Uh, they ran the ball down our throats week one. Um, and I know that Dallas has a great front seven, but I think they had a lot of opportunities. Um, I, I like Justin Herbert. I think he makes some great throws. I think he makes some bad throws. Um, do I think he's the top tier of quarterback? No. Um, but do I think a team can be very successful with him? Yes. Um, I think he's so similar to a very strong uh, Phillip Rivers. Uh, ironically, being a Charger, I think th their game reminds me a lot of each other, other than really the arm strength, um, more late in Phillips' career. But it, it comes first and foremost on Brandon Staley. Um, I'd be shocked uh, if he makes it through the year at this current pace. Uh, him and Zach Taylor are the two guys that I look for that have kind of overstayed their welcome um, and will probably be looking for jobs next season. Spoiler for later in the podcast, by the way. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, no, I agree with you. The thing I wanted to point out is it's very easy to underrate the relationship between a quarterback and the play caller. Um, I know Justin Herbert's rookie year, Pep Hamilton got a lot of love for it, and I don't think enough love went to the offensive coordinator, who was uh, Shane Steichen. Um, Herbert was still good, still put up good numbers since Steichen left, but you saw what he did with uh, Jalen Hurts in Philly. And he looks like he's being a pretty good head coach in Indianapolis right now. Um, and you also see Hertz has kind of regressed without Steichen. And that's not uncommon either. Like Josh Allen is still great, but we saw what the difference De uh, Coach Dayball made for the Bills. Where when Dayball was the offensive coordinator, everything just seemed easy for them. 
where now it is very reliant on Josh Allen being great. So, and some, some teams can get away with that. Some can't, and even to a lesser extent, you see um, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense isn't doing as good this year with Nagy and as the offensive coordinator. Uh, whether that keeps going or not, who knows? But, um, excuse me, we also see difference Mike McDaniel makes for Tua. Uh, now, on to Herbert himself, you mentioned Phillip Rivers. I actually have gone on record in saying I think that uh, Herbert is a better Ryan Tannehill. And when I say better, that's a good one. That's a good one. I like that. It's a very good one. Because if you look at his stats, like, yes, his rookie year, Ryan Tannehill was 12 touchdowns to 13 interceptions. Look at the rest of his career uh, 24 and 17, 27 and 12, 24 and 12, 19 and 12, which was his last, uh, excuse me, was his was when he tore his ACL, then 17 and nine. And then with the Titans, he went 22, six, 33 and seven, 21, 14. And then the last two years, 13 and six, and currently two and six. So he's kind of washed now, but the thing with Tannehill, and this is where I see it with Herbert, Herbert has a higher ceiling. He can do more with the ball. You can see it even just with the stats, but neither are players that go off script. I think Herbert's a little more willing to run than Tannehill ever was. But um, I think you need a coach who's aggressive to get the best out of both of them. And you kind of saw it with Joe Lombardi, and Lombardi isn't as good of a as good of a play caller as Steichen was, but he still got him going down the field more. And while I think Kellen Moore is a good offensive coordinator, he's more balanced, and he's really preaching the play it safe, go what's 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 available. And I think this year you even see it, Herbert's willing to run a little bit more too, but he's not pushing the ball down the field. So I think you can definitely win with someone like Justin Herbert, but there is that ceiling because they just don't have that aggressive mindset. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Um, but you've got me thinking since we talked about um, interviewing Larry, Liam, whatever. Um, and you said the Liam Eichenberg uh, propaganda, and then you said it was 15 minutes. So it got me thinking that this episode should be called Giving Liam Eikenberg His 15 Minutes. That actually works well. I like that. Zach, remember that. Yeah, but, um, write it down. Someone. Don't tell me what to do. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but before we, get, before we get to Larry, we did have another question. Um, one of our listeners has actually been very vocal about disliking Big Fangio's play calling, and he feels the lack of blitzing. Um, Jordan, I don't think people realize that it's not that Fangio doesn't blitz a lot. Like, it's not the staple of his defense. My understanding of his defense is you drop in zone you, and you wait for the quarterback to make mistakes. But looking at his last couple of years in Denver, in 2019, he was 20, 24% blitzing, 27.9 in 2020, and 25.3 in 2021. I believe we're actually just under 30% so far this year, but that does not include the Panthers game. Uh, but Denver was always middle of the pack, never finishing higher than 13th. I just think it's – I don't think people realize how much Josh Boyer blitzed, where for two years in a row we were second in the league with uh, almost 41% in 2020 and then 396 in 2021. We actually went – down well below what Boer normally didn't last year with 
Yeah, I, I think a lot of it is what you just said, um, where we were so used to for the last couple of years blitzing so much um, that Fangio blitzing the way he is. First of all, it's a little disguised. Uh, I think you see a lot of movement on the defensive line. I think you see a lot of guys um, coming in a little delayed, um, which it, it, it's great. And I think it's going to increase um, when Xavier, or when Jalen Ramsey comes back um, and you have Jalen Ramsey and Xavier kind of playing together um, and can kind of leave them on islands a little bit, let them work, um, put Cater in the slot, and then you can blitz a little more. Um, but I don't think the defense is playing as bad as people think. I know we watched a little bit of film yesterday together, um, and I, I talked about how I said it, and then I know Larry said it too when we were watching uh, with an actual Dolphins player. Um, our defense is on the field so much, um, and I think that we score so quickly, and our defense goes right back on the field. Outside of the Buffalo game, I mean, really our defense hasn't been that bad. Um I mean, we have played the Broncos, the Giants, and the Panthers, but our defense hasn't been bad. I, I think they've come in, they've done their job, um, and they're on the field so much that it the other team's destined to score 20 points. I mean, the Patriots scored 17. Uh, the Broncos scored, what, 20? Uh, the Panthers scored 14. I mean, we're, and they really only scored seven. So their teams aren't scoring on us. Um, I think that the defense is just fine. Um, I think Fangio is only going to find his groove as the season goes on. Um, and this team hasn't even peaked yet. I think that when this team peaks, it'll be at the right time. Uh, and they'll be they'll, they'll be ready to go. I, I'm actually a little happier with this defense than I possibly thought I would be. Yeah, the more we watch, I think it is true. And I think we are now second in hurries and pressures as well as sacks. Uh, the sacks are definitely skewed because of playing Carolina and the Giants, but before both of those games, we were still pretty high in pressure from what I remember. We just weren't getting the sacks. Um, uh, yeah, for anybody listening, a good Twitter to follow is a Computer Cowboy. He does a lot of the charts, and the chart I showed is Bradley Chubb has one of the highest win percentages and pressures in the NFL, but the sack numbers just aren't there yet. And the rule of thumb is when you have when you're winning that much, the stats do even themselves out. Um, but yeah, I think it comes down to the one thing the defense is struggling with is there are holes in the zone. Some of that is just, we don't have the greatest coverage linebackers, but some of it, like you said, that's going to change when we get Jalen Ramsey and even Nick Needham, because then Justin Bethel's not playing. Eli Apple's not playing. Perry Nickerson's not playing. So everybody goes down the run the run and that should help stuff out as well. Yeah. And I think you don't need to play as much help coverage um, for guys like Eli Apple, for guys like Justin Bethel. And like I said, you can leave the, our corners on an Island by themselves. And like I said, this team has not hit its peak yet. Um, I, th I don't think we've seen the best Miami Dolphin football as exciting as that may sound. Um, and I, I don't even think you're going to see the best um, Sunday night. I think they're primed to look at their best. Um, down the stretch of the season, heading into the beginning of the playoffs. Yeah, and it's also worth mentioning, Jalen uh, Jalen Ramsey did start practicing today, and they are uh, Mike McDaniel made it seem like they are very optimistic that he could get some time before the bye. Um, so not this week, but maybe soon. Uh, but Jordan, I think this is the time everybody was waiting for. The man himself, Liam Eikenberg, after getting ripped to shreds versus Buffalo, had zero pressures 
zero sacks given up. So I think it's time for our boy Larry to take his victory lap. So Larry, come on in. I tried telling y'all. I tried. You did. You did, Larry. Um, so Larry, I do have a couple um, pressing questions for you, but I'm going to save those for a little bit. Um, we got a chance to watch a little bit of film with you yesterday, and you were making a couple grunting noises while watching Liam Eikenberg play at the offensive line position on Sunday. Um, so tell us, what were you happiest about with Liam's performance on Sunday? Just that improvement from the Buffalo Bills game. Like, what you think he just improved in every area? I mean, was, was I mean, there yeah, anywhere he, you thought he struggled? There were definitely a few times where I saw him pulling and blocking the wrong guy. And I think that just comes from playing at guard for so long. You know, guards pull too. Now he's pulling as a center. It's a different guy he's got to be blocking. And I think, like, he's still trying to make that adjustment, you know, learning the position and not getting so mixed up with when he was at guard. And I think that just comes with repetitions in time. He'll be all right. So a message that I got that I actually missed um, when we were going last time, I was just so excited to get to talk to you and interview you. Um, so I missed a question that was sent to me by the back. Um, you are very, very positive towards Liam Eikenberg. We've already covered all that. We don't need to go back and rehash that. Um, we clearly know that you think he's the best offensive lineman in the world. Um, is, is there anybody on the current Miami Dolphins roster um, that you're maybe a little critical of that you don't think is playing well, um, that you think it's okay to maybe talk a little poorly about? Eli Apple. Oof. You and his ex-wife both. I watched him going up against Darren Waller and get absolutely burnt play after play, and as soon as we put X on him, incomplete pass. And then you watch him against Thielen, and Adam Thielen's going off for, what, 120 yards? Stuff like that is just, it's sickening. Especially with how much he talks. He doesn't care. He's going out there talking shit to every single person he can. And he goes out there and plays like burnt toast. Come on yeah, now. You're, you're right. You're not. You're definitely not wrong. Um, so there was a clip in the game um, that we saw yesterday when we were watching that I never really got to ask you about. Um, and then we also saw it when it happened Sunday, I was at the game, so I didn't actually physically see it happen, um, but it went viral pretty quickly. Um, Raheem Mostert seemed to go down at one point um, and look up from the ground and scream at Liam. Um, it looked like Liam missed his block. Um, I didn't think Liam missed blocks, according to you. Um, so do you know what that situation was like between Raheem and uh, Liam? I didn't tell you. I'm not there. Ah, okay. Okay. So let's, let's see about that. Um, just very, very quickly. Um, so last time you were on, you told us that you were from, I think it was you were born in New York and grew up and live in Illinois currently. That yep, it. that's it. But I have a screenshot here in front of me of in our Discord over the last week, somebody asking you where you're from and you said Ohio. Yeah, I always like to mess around with you guys. Um... I think you were like talking legitimately about something um, from Ohio. I, I think it was maybe a slip up on your part. I've been to Ohio to visit, but never lived there. 
What's your favorite place to go eat in Ohio? I couldn't tell you. Seatown Wings was pretty fun. I I went to uh, Salina, Ohio, and there's a like a lake there. My friend owns a lake house, and we always go to Seatown Wings over there. Seatown Wings is definitely pretty nice. I was waiting for him to say Skyline Chili, but that's a Cincinnati thing. Um, and then one more question, um, kind of the the only pressing question I have left. Um, a couple of people have noticed that. Um, you're very active in our community since last week, and we love that. We love having you around. Um, I, I think it's great. Um, but there have been a couple instances where you weren't active, um, and they happen to be during Dolphin games. Well, yeah, I'm watching the game, not on Twitter. I mean, every, everybody's watching the game. and it, uh, So on Discord, during the Dolphins game, um, there are a lot of people talking. Messages are always constantly going. Um, it was just, and I think you were pinged a couple times. It was weird um, to not see you in there, especially uh, being such a big Liam fan. I mean, Liam having a great game. Yeah, I was just watching the game. I was proud of him doing well. I always love it when I go out there and see the Dolphins put up 42 points. Um, so the, the last thing I'll say uh, kind of about um, something you said last week is you said that uh, you don't really watch college football. Nope. Um, you said you don't like college football. Um, and, and I don't like it. Great. I just never got into it. Never got into it. So you don't know anything about college football? Barely. You don't know. Do you know the current rankings? You know who's good, who's not? No. I mean, last time so I watched college football, I saw Tua going at halftime for the national championship game. Cool. Uh, that's, that's, pretty, that's cool. Awesome. Um, so I think this is going to be fun. Um, here's how I want to do this, if you're okay with it. Um, the next it. segment that we have coming up here is our college football picks, our weekly college football picks. All right. Uh, what happens is Brett will read the game. Then he'll give you uh, give, give us a breakdown of the teams. Then he'll make his pick. Then I'll make my pick. What I want is I want Brett to just say the game. He's not going to tell you what the teams are ranked. He's not going to tell you what the spread is. Nothing about it. I want before he reads the breakdown, I want you to make your pick. Sounds good. I can do that. All right. So here's how this is going to go, Brett. You're going to read the game. Uh, Larry is going to give us his pick. Then you're going to give a breakdown of the game, your pick, my pick. All right. I can do that. And then, Larry, afterwards, we're going to give you four quarterbacks to compare. Does that sound good? Yeah. Works for me. All right. Brett, whenever you're ready. All right, and Jordan, I was looking at these games. This is another game a week where it's it's an interesting slate. So picking the games was kind of hard. But I think this is one that was easy to give. Penn State versus Ohio State. Larry, who do you got? Uh, Give me Ohio State. Buckeyes. All right. You know who plays for Ohio State, Larry? Justin Fields in the NFL now, so not him. Liam Eikenberg's little brother, Tommy. He is the starting linebacker. Uh, So it's a little little funny you picked that team there to start out with. Uh, But this is actually, I believe they are both top five teams. If not top five, Penn State is sixth or seventh. Well, I picked Uh, Ohio State because my ex goes to Penn State. Fair enough. Fuck Um, fuck your ex. (laughs) I'd rather not. 
you know? Uh, true. Right. Fair You're enough. right. That was funny. I um, got that. Nice. Yeah. But the game is in the horseshoe. If you haven't been, if never been to that stadium, it gets really cold because all the wind comes into the horseshoe. But this is going to be two very good defenses, two very good offenses. Uh, of course, not only is Tommy Eichenberg on the defense, Ohio State has two first-round uh, wide receivers. Um, Ekbuka being the lesser one, the big one, of course, is probably going top three overall, Marvin Harrison Jr., and he's going to be covered by another first-round pick in Penn State's corner, Kalen King. Uh, Penn State also has a first-round defensive lineman by the name of Chop Robinson, so that should be should be fun uh, to watch those matchups. The issue, of course, for Penn State, they do have former Miami Hurricane head coach Manny Diaz as their defensive coordinator, so while they can get at the, after the quarterback and create turnovers, they are susceptible to the run game, and Ohio State definitely can run when they want to. Um, I do think Penn State has the better quarterback in Drew Aller, but he plays a lot safer than uh, Kyle McCord does. Uh, McCord only has one interception, I believe 12 touchdowns on the year. Of course, a lot of that is the talent around him. And I've said it before, Cade Stover, the tight end for Ohio State, is someone I would look at on day two, uh, maybe early day three for us. I think he fits the system well. Um, I've said before, I think next year, actually, I'm just going to say this right now, Jordan, since you're a betting man, put money on Penn State to get to the college fine football finals next year, as well as win the Big Ten. I'm that high on their team next year. All their best players are sophomores. Uh, this year is just a year too early until they really take the reins off of Valor because it's in the horseshoe. Um, I do got to apologize to my roommate, who is a Penn State fan, but I'm agreeing with Larry and picking Ohio State. So when, the last time we had Penn State on the show in a pick segment, um, they were at Illinois. Um, that was week three, I believe it was. Um, and that week I said on the show that I thought Penn State was a year away um, from being what we look at like Michigan as now, um, being one of the top two teams in the country. Um, I think you're spot on that Penn State really has a legitimate chance to win a national championship next year. Um, but that's next year. I think – I kept looking at this and I was looking at the teams. I was looking at the breakdown. I was looking at the matchups and I really, really want to pick Penn state. I want to pick Penn state because of what I think they're going to be next year. Um, but I don't think that's the smart decision. Again, I think they're a year away. Um, they also haven't played anybody. Um, if, if you're looking at their schedule, West Virginia, Delaware, Illinois, Iowa, Northwestern, and UMass, um, Ohio State has already gone on the road, um, one at Notre Dame. Uh, they they blew out Purdue at Purdue. Uh, those are two tough games. They had a dogfight with Maryland, who I think Maryland is better than anybody Penn State's played right now. Um, I think Ohio State and Michigan are on a crash course to play each other. Um, I think Ohio State wins, but I think this is the week where people will leave the game and people will be on board with what we're saying that Penn State is a team to be reckoned with um, and a team that has a legitimate shot to win next year. Yeah, nah, I'm with you there. I want to pick Penn State too. The one thing I do hate being in Pennsylvania is usually I go out with my friends on Saturday night and whenever Penn State wins, they play that stupid sandstorm song at every bar and chant to we are Penn State. And I so. If I can avoid listening to that for one weekend, I will be happy. Isn't that Marshall's thing? 
it's a lot of people. Penn State thinks they invent invented teams using a Seven Nation Army too before the games, which they play all the time. The Miami Heat definitely invented that. Yeah. So, but yeah, songs that I like that now I hate just because of people I live around. Um, but Larry, yeah. next game, Tennessee versus Alabama. Who you got? Give me Bama. Yeah, I think this is pretty easy. Bama is finding their rhythm. They seem to have settled on their quarterback. Uh, Again, everybody knows I'm a Michigan fan. I have seen the horrors of having Joe Milton as your quarterback like Tennessee has seen. He can throw the ball 80 yards with no problem, but he can't throw a five-yard pass. He can't throw with touch. It's in Tuscaloosa. Every time I watch Tennessee, it seems like they're just making mistakes and they end up out-talenting teams. They can't out-talent Bama, and they can't. you can't out-coach Bama. Uh, even if Josh Heupel, funny enough, and you're not going to be able to unsee this, Jordan, apparently people say he looks like Bobby Hill. Uh, now that I heard that, I can't unsee it, and it's really funny. But, yeah, I'm taking Bama as well. Trust me, Josh Heupel was the UCF coach for a couple of years. I, I've seen, I can't unsee it anymore. Don't worry. Um, also, a former golf I would have said that, quarterback. True. I would have said that this was a, a much different game uh, under two circumstances. Circumstance number one, this game was in Tennessee. Um, circumstance number two, Alabama didn't play Arkansas last week. And I think that Arkansas and Tennessee are actually a lot like each other. Um, I think Tennessee's obviously better than Arkansas. Arkansas is having a bad year. Um, but the styles are very, very similar um, from quarterback play to weapons. Um, and I think Tennessee is going to try, like Arkansas has to do to a lot of teams, um, to run the ball down people's throats. Um, if you look at the wins that Tennessee's had, they've run the ball a lot, and they've had to run the ball successfully because, like you said, Joe Milton has had his struggles. I don't think they're going to be able to do that against Bama. Um, Bama's a team that I've been on for a couple weeks in a row now. Um, I didn't think that them losing that game to Texas was the end of the world. I thought it was going to wake them up. Um, they're not blowing. They didn't blow people out. Um, they've won a couple close games at Texas A&M versus Arkansas. So I don't think they're going to blow out Tennessee. I think Tennessee is going to stay in the game. Um, but I think the Alabama defense will get a big stop. Um, and I think Alabama will be able to run the ball better against Tennessee than Tennessee will be able to run against Alabama. Um, I got Alabama. Um, and I have Alabama covering the eight and a half spread. Yeah, I I agree. They're going to cover. I think it's actually going to be end up being a blowout. Honestly, um, next game, Larry Duke or Duke at Florida State. Who you got? Give me Florida State. Yeah, again, I think this is pretty easy. Uh, quarterback is someone who I think if it wasn't such an insane year, we would be talking about. Um, him as the uh, Jordan Travis, that is, as the favorite for the Heisman, but it's just that ridiculous of a year. He's playing on another level. Keon Coleman, again, if it wasn't for Marvin Harrison, we'd be talking about him as the best wide receiver in the country. Duke is a very well-coached team. I think Coach Elko is going to be gone after this year. I think he's getting a bigger job. He's done a great job there. Um I expect it to be a close game. I honestly do. I just don't think Duke has the talent to keep up with Florida State. I'll say Florida State by, even though I just said close, I'll say a 14-point win. Yeah, and that's right around where the spread is sitting. Um, I don't want what I'm going to say to be 
at Duke in the slightest. I had them against Notre Dame. Um, I thought they looked very, very good last week against NC State. Um, but I think Florida State is on a rampage right now. Um, I think they're focused. I think they're locked in. Um, they're 6-0. and um, Looking ahead at their schedule, um, they go to two Wake Forest next week, which they'll win. They go to Pittsburgh the week after. Um, and then they have essentially Miami, um, a cake game in North Alabama, and then Florida. Um, and those Miami and Florida games are going to be very, very intense. Um, and I expect uh, Florida State to go into that Miami game undefeated. Um, that game is in Tallahassee. Um, so I think that Florida State wins this game. I think it's going to be right around 14, 14 and a half, like you said, um, and what the spread is. Um, I think it'll be a coin flip as to who covers. Um, but I think Florida State will win, and, and they'll win pretty comfortably. Okay, and just before we go to the next game, I did just get an update. For college, my picks are 16 and 14. Jordan, you are actually winning this part of the pick em at uh, 18 and 12. Uh, the next game we have on the slate is an interesting one, Utah-USC. Uh, Larry, who do you have? Give me USC. Yeah, I want it to pick Utah so bad because uh, I think their defense will give the USC offense some struggles. Uh, Caleb Williams, best player in the country. We all know this. Oh, Caleb, just... give me Utah. Utah. I don't like Caleb Williams. Why? Why don't you like Caleb Because he paints his nails? Give me Utah all day. That's not nice. I don't care. Utah. Okay, he's going with Utah. He picks the Utes. I like it. I did want to pick Utah because I do think their defense, like I said, will give USC trouble. Um, USC did just get punched in the mouth um, by Notre Dame. like it was bad. I actually think that for now has cost Caleb Williams the, the Heisman. Uh, the issue I have with Utah is they don't really have an offense. They finally had a good offensive game last week against Cal. They're still without Cam Rising, who was their great quarterback last year. He was covering from an ACL injury. He still hasn't played. At this point, I don't know if he is going to play. If he was playing, I'd be willing to take Utah. Because uh, I think that highly of him in that defense, but without rising, I I can't pick USC, especially since it's in the Rose Bowl. There are two things that worry me. Um, first of all, and I think I've been um, open on here that I thought USC was going to win last week. I mean, I actually had USC up until last week as one of the final four teams. Um, I thought I, I kind of overexpected how um, dominant Caleb Williams would be in every single game. Um, I still think he's going to be the number one pick. Um, so that worries me because USC last year showed um, late in the season that, uh, especially in that game against Tulane, um, that once they were kind of out of it, they didn't really um, care that much. So I'm willing, I'm looking to see very early on in that game um, how USC looked from an energy standpoint. And number two, U- Utah ble- beat the shit out of USC last year. Uh, it was a 47-24 game. Um, they ran all over them. Um, and I think they're going to go into this game trying to do the same thing. Uh, for Utah, the, winning the Pac-12 championship means a lot to Utah. Um, and they start a stretch of the ne- uh, three of the next four weeks. They play at Utah, Oregon. Um, and then after a game with Arizona State, they play at Washington. Um, so this is a very, very big stretch for Utah. 
Um, I think USC, um, after playing Cal, they play Washington and Oregon. Um, so they really have kind of the same stretch of teams. Um, but I think this is more important for Utah. Um, I'm going to pick USC. Um, if Larry would have picked USC, I probably would have talked myself into Utah just so we could be different. Um, I think that this is a coin flip game. The line is seven. I think the line should be somewhere closer to three and a half or four. Um, so I'm going to pick USC to win. I'm going to surprisingly pick Utah to cover. Okay. So for the four games we picked, we it was boring. They were all the same. Um, aside from Larry picking Utah because he doesn't like Caleb Williams, we all agreed on Ohio State winning, Alabama winning, Florida State winning. And uh, you and I agreed on USC winning, Jordan. Uh, so, Larry, this one you don't have to pick in. This is our wild card pick, and this is where it comes in, where Jordan and I both look and we pick a game to uh, pick ourselves. And, Jordan, I really scoured the uh, slate to find a game worth picking. Part of me really wanted to preview the Michigan-Michigan State game, battle for Paul Bunyan, but it's a large spread, and I honestly think Michigan's just going to be the boa constrictor on offense they've been, where it's going to be a boring game. They're just going to run out the team, run out uh, Michigan State, and end up winning. So that would have been boring to talk to, and I would have gotten yelled after picking a big spread again. Um, yes, you would so I'm actually So I'm actually going with a top 25 matchup. But this is a FCS top 25 matchup. As number 10, South Dakota State plays number 15, Youngstown State. Wow. I don't know a lot about either team. I do know, thanks to our boy Scott, who's the resident FCS expert, that that South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits, have two NFL prospects on their offensive line, and Garrett Greenfield and Mason McCormick, and another running back who's going to be an NFL player, and Isaiah Davis. South Dakota State has been sending players to the NFL for a couple years. Tucker Craft, uh, Pierre Strong, in recent years. I am taking – and Youngstown State, they have basically become the team that plays Ohio State in September to get destroyed. They have not been relevant in FCS since the 90s when Jim Trestle was there. I am picking South Dakota State to win. The spread is three. I think it's going to be a 14-point win for South Dakota State. The Jack, Go Jackrabbits. Go Jackrabbits. Um, and I think this is a great time to kind of tell the audience we, – we've teased for a couple weeks now um, that – kind of something big was coming um and officially as of today um listpodcast.com um is available on the internet um there are a couple blogs up there we're going to start putting content up there more regularly um you can find the list on there you can find all our episodes on there um you can we're going to continue to put more content um, more than you already get through the week on listpodcast.com and there's actually an article right now up um, specifically about FCS prospects. Um, our resident FCS expert, Scott, um, went in and broke down because the Dolphins, although lately they've been picking from some big schools, um, the Dolphins are also known um, to scour those small schools as well. Um, so Scott does an unbelievable job. Um, those that want to really dig into the draft here in October, um, listpodcast.com is where you will find that information. Um, but from uh, my pick... Um, I also, like you, had a very, very tough time um, scouring. Um, I'm going to give two games. So I'm going to give a two-game parlay. How about that? Um, okay. I like including in my parlays a, a big favorite. Not huge, um, but a decently big favorite. 
um, to kind of scour the odds a little bit. Um, and then I'll pick a close game and that parlay will probably pay. My guess is plus 150, something like that. Um, I don't know the exact numbers. Um, but the first game I'm going to give you is Air Force going on the road to Navy. Um, give me Navy, Force- roll goats. Yes, sir. Um, I'm going to take. Uh, I'm, I'm going to take Air Force to win. Um, Air Force is six and zero right now. They're ranked 22nd in the country. Um, those military games. Thank you to, for your service to all of them. Um, I think those military games are always a toss up. Um, however, I think Air Force is a very, very good football team. Um, earlier in the year, I watched a couple of their games um, because I was bored and it was early in the college football season. Um, I like what they're doing over there. Um, they have a schedule that sets up pretty well um, to go into that last game at Boise State undefeated. Um, I could see Air Force, if, if they keep this up, getting into even close to the top 15, um, top 14 in the country. Um, so I'm going to give you Air Force winning at Navy. And then if I couldn't get um, more physical, um, I'll go with a game that's very low scoring. The over-under on this game is 31 and a half currently. Um, I'm going to take Iowa at home. Uh, They're minus three and a half at home against Minnesota. Um, I think those are two teams that always play each other pretty physically. Um, Last year was a 13-10 Iowa win. Um, Iowa doesn't look pretty, um, but I think their offense is a little tiny, tiny bit better this year than last year. Um, That's not saying much. I just think that they're a little less shitty, I guess I want to put it. Um, And I I think they'll... I think they'll protect the ball um, against Minnesota. Um, I really liked Minnesota's quarterback coming into this year. Um, let me see if I can pronounce his last name right. Kaliak Manis. Um, his first name is Aton. I should have just gone with that. Um, but uh, I liked him coming in. But coming off a blowout loss uh, to Michigan last week at home, uh, I think going to Iowa is always a tough p- place to play. I think this is going to be a low-scoring, punch-you-in-your-mouth game. Um, but I look for the Iowa Hawkeyes to beat Minnesota. Um, so to follow along with my uh, picks of the week, you can give me both Air Force and Iowa. And I will only, t- because I'm picking two favorites, I will only take the win in the standings if both teams win. Okay. And I will I'll include it a win for you if you can actually – get through the whole Iowa-Minnesota game without changing the channel, Jordan, because that's going to be a brutal game to watch. I will be changing the channel. I'll be peeking on the score, and, I mean, it's at 3.30, so I'll have to look at what the 3.30 slate is kind of looking like. Um, I'll probably be checking out Missouri-South Carolina because people know I love Missouri. That's the Alabama-Tennessee game. Missouri. Um, I thought about it, but Missouri's a touchdown favorite. They had a huge win last week at Kentucky. Um, I think everybody on here knows I, I like some Missouri football. Um, they're not my team. I just, I like Luther Burden. I like Cook. Um, I like what they're doing there. Um, I like their coach, who I want to call Dinkelwitz. Um, but I, I, I do like Missouri. Um, I'll include Missouri as a third team. You don't need to put that on the sheet. Um, but give me a Missouri Air Force Iowa parlay. All right. Yeah, we're, I think this might be the last hard week of college. I think we're actually going to start getting some bigger matchups next week. Uh, so I think we'll have more on our slate and we won't be scouring for interesting games to talk about. I'm um, looking at next week's slate and I think you're going to be a little disappointed. Fair enough. Get ready to but, talk about Georgia, Florida. Ugh. Do we have to? 
Does Oklahoma, Kansas do it for you? Georgia, Florida, it is. Um, uh, what What about um, Colorado at UCLA? They have Dante Moore versus Shadur Sanders could be an interesting matchup to talk about. Oh, uh, here we go. There's Brett spinning it for you. I, I'm just saying, you're looking at two very good quarterbacks, but that's about the extent of the interest. Um, but that's a good segue to start talking about some draft-eligible quarterbacks. Now, Larry, we do want to get your thoughts on this, too, because Jordan and I love the draft, so I want to get some player comps for some quarterbacks who I think right now are getting the most first-round love. With one clarification, is there three quarterbacks I do love. I think Jordan likes, likes, likes them at least, maybe not loves, but does like. I do not think J.J. McCarthy, Shador Sanders, or Quinn Ewers at this point will be in the draft, so they are not included. First quarterback for this pro comparison. Larry, who do you compare Caleb Williams to? Zach Wilson. (laughs) I mean, that's an interesting one because... That's if it doesn't work out, but Caleb Williams, Jordan, does remind me of a quarterback that Zach Wilson was somewhat compared to, and that would be one Patrick Mahomes the third. Who compared Zach Wilson to Patrick Mahomes? Who in the world compared Zach Wilson to Patrick Mahomes? I want that person on the list, or I want all of that person's credibility taken away. I think I think it's Todd McShay who got who's no longer on ESPN, but some ESPN analysts no said that he throws like Patrick Mahomes. No way. But yeah, it was out there. It's not a good, not a good comparison, but I think the Caleb Williams to Patrick Mahomes is a decent comparison. Yeah, and somebody said to me last week, it's funny. Somebody said they run the exact same way that the two of them when they move in the pocket um, and they try to extend plays. It's the way they run. Um, that's the same. But I agree. Uh, the name I had written down here was also Patrick Mahomes. Um, I think that the ability to create, um, I, I think he's going to be, I don't think he's going to be what Patrick Mahomes is. Um, I don't think he's going to be a dominant, you know, he's going to be the number one quarterback in the league type quarterback. Um, but I think he's going to be like the upper echelon of Patrick Mahomes light, um, which is not a bad thing at all. I think there are probably, I saw a list on Twitter. I don't remember exactly who put it out, um, but I started looking at the list. I was just waiting for them to say they would take Caleb Williams over Tua right now. That's the reason I got onto the list. Um, they didn't, so they were fine. Uh, but Caleb Williams, um, I would probably take him over 10 to 15 quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Um, I would probably put him in the 15 to 20 range of NFL quarterbacks right now. Um, I think that's saying a lot because I don't think people understand how big that jump is that they need to be a starting quarterback immediately. I think Caleb Williams stayed in college for the right reason. Um, But I I think that comparison of of Patrick Mahomes is pretty spot on. Yeah. Now, I think that one was easy. Um, Larry, the next quarterback I have is probably, as of right now, the consensus number two that could change. That would be uh, North Carolina's Drake May. Who do you got him compared to? Let's go with Trevor Lawrence. Interesting. Um, so I saw this comparison. I had to look look at a little bit. It's an older one. 
but you're talking a big quarterback, prototypical size, sneakily athletic, strong arm, make all throws, good leader. I'm going to go with a former USC quarterback. And I'm going to compare Drake May to Carson Palmer. I knew you were going to do that. I'm sitting here reading comparisons, and I knew for a fact that you were going to take that. And I was going to use it like I hadn't seen it anywhere, and I yeah. wasn't going to look at it. Um, but I think the guy Drake May re- reminds me of, and I don't want this to be a negative, okay? So I'm going to say this, but there's going to be a caveat to it. So I called Caleb Williams, Patrick Mahomes, light. I'm going to call Drake May a souped-up Mitchell Trubisky. If Mitchell Trubisky could actually throw the ball, uh, I think that's what we're looking at with Drake May. Um, I think that he's more mobile than people give him credit for. He's a bigger quarterback. Um, He can sling the ball. He's smart. Um, I think anybody that goes to UNC is is relatively on the um, kind of brighter side, at least having to play that position. Uh, Mac Jones is going to get him NFL ready. Um, So I'm going to go with... Uh, in upper echelon, Mitchell Trubisky. I wouldn't be overly shocked if Drake May busts, um, but I do think this is a really good quarterback class, and I do think whoever gets him um, gets a very good uh, prospect. And before we move on, I got to point out Jordan pulled a Brett and said Mac Jones rather than Mac Brown is going to get Drake oh, May oh, ready oh. for the NFL draft. So for once, it is not me making a mess up. And I am taking my victory lap. So take it. (laughs) Yay. Not a boy. Yeah. So next one, probably the Heisman favorite right now, Larry. Michael Penix out of Washington. Um let's go with Gardner Minshew. That's my favorite one you've given us. That's my by far my favorite one you've given us. Do you so, know what Michael Penix looks like? No. Can you do me a favor and go Google Michael Penix? His last name seems a lot like a male body part, but with an X at the end. Well, Larry does that. Uh, Jordan, I know you've talked about it, that some people are starting to compare him to Tua, but that's all because they're both left-handed. I found Penix is a difficult comparison. And I started watching him play. I'm sick with Gordon Minshew. Okay. I love it. I love it. That's a good one. Um, our social media team uh, member, Callum, who is a huge Michael Penix fan, is going to love that one, Larry. Uh, but I was looking at it, and we, Jordan, you keep saying how Penix would be great in a West Coast offense. So I started projecting him to that, and he started reminding me of another person, another quarterback who had a strong arm, who's known for improvisation skill was also known as a guy who sometimes didn't run enough and tried to just use his feet to buy time. And he also had a lot of success in the same offense. I'm going to compare Michael Penix to Donovan Knapp. That's a good one. Um, I do like that. I'm going to go with a guy um, that's younger, uh, a lot younger. Um, And I, I, like you, had a tough time finding a perfect comparison to Michael Penix. Um, and I'm sitting here watching him throw a little bit. And then I st- I actually Googled somebody and started watching that quarterback throw. Um, and I think the guy I'm going to compare Michael Penix to is C.J. Stroud. 
Um, I think Strat is a guy who's having success already in Houston. Um, I think both have the ability to be vertical type quarterbacks and take shots. Um, while both, I think Penix is a little less mobile, uh, but I think he has the same type of arm projection that um, CJ Stroud has. Um, that's what I'm going to go with. Um, like you said, I think it's very tough um, to find a situation. Um, I saw Teddy Bridgewater's name float around there, um, which isn't actually a bad comparison, um, especially what Teddy was projected to be. Um, I think Penix, if he's put in the right situation, like I keep floating around that Penix to Minnesota would be the perfect spot for him. Um, if he goes to a place like Minnesota, I could see him working out a lot. Um, but I could also see a bunch of situations where Penix isn't seen as that guy um, and is a bust if he goes to. But Penix, um, I have as C.J. Stroud. That is a good one. I, I didn't even think of C.J. Stroud because he was a rookie, but I do like that one. Uh, the final quarterback, this one I also had a lot of trouble with, but Larry Bo Nix out of Oregon. I'm feeling Johnny Manziel. I actually like that a lot more than the uh, comparison I came up with, but it's for similar reasons. I think Bo Nix is an adventure, and this is probably unfair to him, but I just cannot get the Auburn film out of my head where he was – it's fair to say he was a disaster. He can make all the throws, but you never know what you're going to get with him. So I started thinking, and what quarterback has the frame you want who can put up big numbers but can also – put up a lot of interceptions, put up a lot of fumbles, put up a lot of turnovers. Josh Allen. I'm, I'm not going there, but I'm going to compare Bo Nix to Jameis Winston. Yeah, that's not a bad one. Um, so Bo Nix, I'm looking here, uh, is listed at 6'2", 215. Um, I started looking. Um, I was looking at current NFL quarterbacks. I was looking at a little bit of past NFL quarterbacks. Um, and there was one name that I saw that once I saw it, I couldn't unsee it. Um, I'm going to compare Bo Nix to Sam Howell. Um, I think another young quarterback, um, sneaky mobile. I think that Bo Nix can run. I think Sam Howell can run a little better than people think. Um, I think that Sam Howell uh, has a lot of potential. I, I don't think he's given the best situation in Washington. I think he's doing a decent job of it. Um, I think that he's going to be a much longer term backup, somebody that'll stay in the league for a while um, as a QB two. Um, just like I see Bo Nix being, um, I see Bo Nix as a gamer. Um, another comparison I would give you um, is a not Ivy League Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, a guy that can drive you down the field, um, that can make a big play late, um, but isn't always uh, the best quarterback and not the guy. Um, that you look to necessarily as that number one pick top of the line guy. But I, I think somebody's going to take him um, probably in day two of the draft. I'm going to be very happy with Bo Nix as their backup quarterback, just like I think after Sam Howell's done playing in Washington, um, which I hope is for a decently long time. But when he's done, I also think he's going to be a very good backup quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, no, I do like that. But I was not expecting that uh, segment to have three – North Carolina Tar Heel quarterbacks mentioned Drake May, Mitch Trubisky, and Sam Howell. Uh, but it tells you, out of all the schools, you wouldn't expect North Carolina, who hasn't exactly been tearing up the college football season in the last 10 years, to have three NFL quarterbacks. 
Is that why I said Mitch Trubisky? Because they wore the same number at the same school? Am I just an idiot like that? Is that what happened? Maybe. I, you and I think a lot alike with draft prospects, but I, I, I don't know why you thought of Mitch Trubisky. Oh, what I wanted to say was something like Josh Allen light. But then I panicked and didn't want to say Patrick Mahomes light and Josh Allen light back to back. So I kind of went with like the raising up Mitch Trubisky. Um, I guess that one sucked. Oh, that's on me, guys. I'm sorry. It's not bad. You got to remember, Trubisky went second overall. Uh, he was actually he w- he was a bust. Especially when you consider Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes were picked after him, but he was considered at the time the top quarterback in his draft class. Um, so hindsight is twenty twenty, but we are going to move on to our NFL picks. Um, I did decide we're going to split it up a little bit before we do the Dolphins pick and preview that game. So we're going to do the four picks um, for the other games, and then we're going to do another segment. Then the Dolphins. Uh, so Larry, same thing. Going to give you a te- give you a team. So. If you want to give a little breakdown, since I'm sure you're a little more familiar with the NFL, uh, go for it. But the first game we're going to be picking is the Detroit Lions versus Baltimore Ravens. Give me the Lions here. Uh, the Ravens just don't have the offensive firepower that I think the Lions are going to have. The Lions are going to go out there, put 35 on their head, win 35-28. Yeah, I actually pick, think the Lions are going to win too. Uh, it's funny – uh, Jordan Larry, I, I hear every week everybody talk about how great Lamar Jackson is playing. And he's throwing pretty well, but it's not really translating consistently to points. Zay Flowers is looking good, but he does have some drop issues. The Odell Beckham exper- uh, experiment has been a disaster. Rashad Bateman's kind of struggling to get, get going again. They still are relying on the run game but they are not having Lamar run as much as he did. And the Lions, surprisingly, are tied with us and a couple other teams for best record in the NFL. I do love, and I've talked about before, what they're doing defensively. Ben Johnson is going to be a head coach next year. Uh, They just got uh, Jamison Williams back, and he scored a big touchdown last week. Amon Ross St. Brown has been a fantasy lifesaver for me for two years. I was one of the first people in our Discord as well to really hype him up as a prospect, not to pat myself on the back, but that's a win for me, and no one can tell me otherwise. Uh, but I do have the Lions winning, but I'm going to say 21-17. So th- this one's really tough um, because I'm looking at it, and, and the reason I don't want to pick Baltimore is because they played in London last week, and I know we see teams a lot – um, have a buy when they get back from London. And it's a little interesting to me um, that they came back from London or where, wherever they, I think it was London, um, and are playing a very physical Detroit Lions team. Um, I think this matchup sets up perfectly for the Lions. However, I'm always um, a little skeptical of teams uh, when they're at this point in the season, both undefeated on the road and on big winning streaks. I think the NFL is the type of league where things change all the time. Um, I think that this game is going to depend on who plays for the Ravens. Um, there are a lot of guys on this list that I'm looking at right now that are questionable. Um, it looks like there, there are a lot of defensive players that are questionable. Um, I'm going to pick the Lions, but I wouldn't be... Actually, you know what? Larry picked the Lions. Brett picked the Lions. I'm going to stick with my gut. I'm going to pick the Ravens. 
I'm going to change back and pick the Ravens. Um, but I would not be surprised if the, if the Ravens struggle defensively and the Lions score a lot of points. Uh, this is a three-point spread. The Ravens are favored. I'm going to pick the Ravens to win. Um, we're going to pick them 22-21. to 21. And before you go to the next game, just to give a record uh, update for the NFL, I'm 20 and 10. So I'm actually leading you, Jordan, as you are 17 and 13 in picks so far. Damn. Um, so that, yeah, that's surprising to me too. But go me. Uh, next game, one that I think people in the national media are going to be more interested than most fans are the Chargers versus the Chiefs. Who you got, Larry? Give me the Chiefs. It's in Kansas City. Simple as that. Yeah, I got the Chiefs too. Um, we're going to get into it a little bit more soon. But like Jordan said earlier, I think Brandon Staley's an idiot. I think he holds back the team. They seem to have, like, everything about the Chargers, even though I do think their talent is a little overrated, they just, it feels kind of like a Brian Flores Miami team where everything has to go perfect for the team to win. And you're not going to get that in Kansas city. Uh, the chiefs offense hasn't been looking good. Their defense actually looks like they're coming along pretty well, especially since Chris Jones came back, but I do think the chiefs are going to figure it out. And especially in arrowhead, not only the chiefs have got three opponents, basically the, or not the chief, the Chargers have three opponents. They have the chiefs, they have the refs and they have the Swifties. So because it's going to be a handicap match, so to speak, as well, I got the Chiefs winning. Um, I I know we're going to preview this, or I'm going to spoil this, and you said already um, that I kind of teased something earlier, but I think that um, the Chargers are headed for a new coach, um, and I think that this is going to continue. If, if, they, if I was going to pick them in this game, they would have had to win the Dallas game. Um, they obviously didn't, and they blew it. Um, I don't see Brandon Staley being able to beat Andy Reid this week. Um, I think that the Chargers, I think the wheels might fall off a little bit. Um, looking ahead for the Chargers, I mean, you got to try to find games where they can win. Um, after this week, uh, they play the Bears, which they should win. They play the Jets, which is a, is a tough matchup for them, shockingly. They play the Lions, which they're probably not going to win. They play at the Packers, which it's always tough to go to Lambeau. They play the Ravens on a Sunday night. Um, and then the schedule opens up a little bit towards the end of the season. But I could see them going 1-5 and five on this stretch right here, getting to a point where they're 3-8, and 4-7, and seven, um, and making a move getting uh, rid of Brandon Staley. So I'm going to pick the Chiefs. So we all agree there. Uh, next game, Larry, the Steelers versus the Rams. Give me the Rams here. Steelers don't have the offensive firepower to keep up with Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, Tyler Higby. I think this is Rams easily. I'm actually going the opposite way, and I am going to pick the Steelers. Uh, the Steelers do not have a good offense. I have been very vocal in my dislike for Matt Canada and his system, and I believe he's holding that whole team back. I'm, I've also been very vocal in my dislike of Najee Harris as a player and as a prospect going back to the draft. Uh, that being said, the Steelers have the best traveling fan base in the NFL. So even in SoFi, it is going to be an away game for the Rams. 
as bad as the Steelers offense has been, they have had moments of brilliance at the end of halves when they base when Kenny Pickett basically says, screw it, I'm calling the plays. So I do expect that to continue a bit as they get Fryer Muth and Pickens more involved. Uh, the other thing worth mentioning, as good as Naku has been, as good as Cooper Cup's been since coming back, um, they don't have Kyron Williams right now. He went on IR. But also, the Rams' offense just dies in the second half. I think it's I think every I think it's gonna be a close game like every game the Rams have had in the first half, but then they're just gonna fall apart. And you're gonna ask that offensive line, which is still struggling to replace Andrew uh Whitworth and Austin Corbett to block TJ Watt and um is it Ollie Hot? No, it's not Ollie Highsmith, uh, but Highsmith's the other pass rusher. Having them try and block those guys while Joey Porter Jr. continues to develop in the secondary. I think it's going to be a tough get. I think the Steelers are going to win at 17 to 10. Um, I was, when, when this game came in, uh, I was going to pick the Rams. Um, and then I looked at a couple things. I looked at the games the Rams have won um, and the teams they beat, which are the Cardinals, the Colts, and the Seahawks. Um, and those aren't really the upper echelon of teams um, in the league. Um, neither are the Steelers. I think the Steelers are kind of in that kind of range with the Seahawks um, and with the Colts. Uh, so, um, I looked at that and then I looked at Mike Tomlin's record coming off a bye. Mike Tomlin, uh, hasn't lost a game following a bye since 2016. The Steelers are 12 and four in games following their bye week. You said, uh, they do very well at the end of halves. The Rams have been struggling in the second half. What that tells me is the Rams are very good uh, early in games because Sean McVay is very good at scripting plays. Um, so the Rams will have success early in the game. I look for the Rams to score early, maybe get an early lead. Um, and then I look for Pittsburgh to take over the game late. Um, I don't think it'll be a dominant win. Um, I think Pittsburgh wins by four. Yeah. No, I think that's a pretty, pretty uh, accurate assessment there. Uh, the final game before we go to a new segment, Larry, will be probably the worst game we have here. The Denver Broncos versus the Green Bay Packers. This is going to shock people. Give me the Broncos. The Packers are such an injury-riddled team. Jordan Love has not looked great. I think he's thrown for, what, 50% on the year? I think this is the game where the Broncos come out and just win it. They put all the pieces together. Try and turn that chip around. Yeah, I'm actually um, going to go with the Packers. Uh, you are right that Jordan Love has struggled. Not only is he throwing like 50% completion, I think I also saw per PFF, he also has 50% of his balls are graded as uncatchable. So Oof. it's not that he's just inaccurate. He's not throwing a ball that's catchable either. So it's it's definitely still a project. Um which, yes, it's his first year as a starter, but you don't want to see from a uh, fourth-year quarterback. The issue for for Denver is, although the defense is improving, it is still not very good, and they're getting ready to do a fire sale. So I think this is a get-right game for the Packers. The other issue is you talk about a team that completely dies at the end of a half. It would be the Denver Broncos. Russ has been, last I checked, which admittedly wasn't since we played them, 
Russ has been one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL in the first quarter, but it gets progressively worse every, like the rest of the game. And it is just a disaster in the second half. He's coming off a game where he threw 97 yards. And while Packer fans will complain about their defensive coordinator being very vanilla, their front seven is really good. And they still do have one of the best corners in football when he's on in Jair Alexander. So you expect them to kind of find things, uh, figure things out a little bit. Nothing about the Broncos feels good right now. Uh, so I just, I can't pick the Broncos. So I'm going to look the Packers. The Packers uh, are such a second-half team, too. I just think they're going to dig themselves into too much of a hole. Yeah, I I look at this, and I agreed with Brett last time, and I think I agree with Larry this time. Um, I look at the Broncos' schedule, and the Broncos have a three-game stretch here where they go, after this week, they play the Chiefs, then have a bye, then play the Bills. And I don't think the Broncos are necessarily a one-win team. I don't see them getting to one and eight. Um, I don't think two and seven is much better. Um, but I think that this is a game the Broncos are going to win um, and give themselves a little bit of confidence heading into that game with the Chiefs, um, that rematch, I guess, with the Chiefs. They actually played the Chiefs pretty solidly. Um, it was a very low-scoring game. Um, and over the last couple weeks, uh, I mean, I think that people are understanding uh, that the Broncos um, – are going to be the Broncos, but I think that they they have the tools uh, to win this game. Like Larry said, I think the the Packers um, are going to get themselves into a situation where they can't make the playoffs. Um, and then late in the season, um, in December, after playing the Chiefs, they have a stretch there of the Giants, the Bucks at home, the Panthers, the Vikings, the Bears to finish the season. So I can totally see this setting up that over the next couple of weeks, the Packers have some bad losses. And then Jordan Love finds his stride over the last six weeks of the season. So I'm going to go with the Broncos in what, and you said it perfectly, um, and what I'm going to call the ugliest game of the week. Okay. So just for a recap, Larry and I picked Detroit. Jordan picked the Ravens. All three of us picked the Chiefs. Larry picked the Rams. Jordan and I picked the Steelers. And then Larry and Jordan picked the Broncos, and I picked the Packers. We will get to the Dolphins and Eagles in a little bit. But as we tease, we are going to talk about coaches on the hot seat and who we think should be fired. Uh, now, real quick, I'm going to give you guys both a couple names of people I think should be in consideration. Well, I'm going to give you one that I think should be in consideration, but I know he's not going to get fired. I would fire Sean Payton. It's a, good, a situation where nothing feels right. The issue is Denver just gave up a first-round pick for him, so he's going to get a chance. I also would not be shocked, and I don't think he's a bad coach, but if Brian Dable was out in New York, because it just, again, it just seems like everything's gone south, and it's at a point where I think both sides want to separate from each other. Do either of you think either of those are possibilities? I think that there's a really good chance um... – that both of those coaches are kind of sticking around. Um, I think, like you said, I think the Broncos put too much into Sean Payton. Let him go after a year. Um, they gave him a nice contract. They gave him. They they gave up a first round pick for him. Um, they essentially gave up Bradley Chubb for Sean Payton. Um, so I would be shocked. Um, there would have to be an Urban Meyer level situation going on in that building for something to happen. Um, and I think that there's a chance that the Giants. Um, get rid of Daniel Jones. I think they have to get rid of Daniel Jones. Um, but I think Dable will get an opportunity to pick his quarterback. 
Um, I think Dable's shown he's a good coach. I think it would be a huge mistake if the Giants fired him. I actually like him. Um, I said earlier in the show, I think the two coaches that I look for um, that are the favorites to lose their jobs um, are Brandon Staley and Zach Taylor. They both have good teams, very, very good teams that should be Super Bowl contenders um, that are heavily, heavily underachieving. Um, The other name that I look at, um, and I don't always love firing first-year coaches, um, but I think Matt Eberflus in Chicago um, has been an absolute disaster. Um, I think that situation has kind of gone off the rails. And I think quickly the Bears have realized um, that they need a guy. If if they're going to keep Justin Fields, which means they didn't get the first pick, or if they're going to draft Caleb Williams, which means they got the first pick, I think they're going to need somebody different in there. Um, a name I like for the Bears, um, which is actually going to be a, probably a little surprising because he's gotten passed over a bunch. I actually like the fit of Eric Bieniemy um, in Chicago, getting either Justin Fields or Caleb Williams. Um, I think he would know what to do with both those quarterbacks. I mean, put them in situations early in their career um, to succeed. So uh, Matt Eberflus, Brandon Staley, and uh, Zach Taylor are the three names that I look for that have the hottest seats right now. Yeah, and I liked Eberflus when he got hired. I thought he did a good job of bringing Luke Getze in uh, to be the head coach for, or the offensive corner for Justin Fields. But watch the games, and they just they can't scheme anybody open. And it's another team that I think feels – just the feels are so bad that I don't know if they will go with it. Uh, Staley, we've talked about. I actually think a name to replace Brendan Staley would be uh, Ben Johnson from Detroit and get someone who's a very good young uh, play designer with uh, Justin Herbert. Um, you talk about first-year coaches. Do you think Carolina – I think we kind of talked about this on Sunday – do you think? Do either of you think Frank Wright could be out after one year in Carolina, or do you think they just kind of ride it with him? I think they're gonna ride it out. Yeah, I, I think there's a very good chance they ride it out. Um, I think they knew what they were getting um, when hiring Reich. I think they knew what they were getting when trading for a number one pick. Um, I, I think that this is a little bit of a rebuilding process, and I don't think it'd be the smart decision to change coaches after a year. Um, the fit I like for Ben Johnson, what you said, and I know I said this Sunday night, I like the fit of Ben Johnson in Dallas. Um, I think that, that I think there's a good chance if Mike McCarthy does get fired um, that they promote Dan Quinn. Um, I think they want to keep continuity on the defense. Um, but Ben Johnson is definitely 100% going to be a head coach next year. Uh, it's just a matter of where. And I think Cincinnati, who I know you like Mike Zimmer for Cincinnati, uh, but I think Cincinnati and uh, the Chargers would both be great fits for Ben Johnson. Uh, the question I have for you, though, Brett, um, is I know there have been rumblings in the past and he's looked into it. Um, what do you think the possibility is that Sean McVay steps away after the year? I think it depends on how the rest of the year goes um, and not not really in terms of wins and losses. I think it's more player development. If John McVay sees the young players continue to develop, like Tyron Williams, like Puka Nakua, sees he has some young pieces on defense, I think if he feels that he can get one of these good quarterbacks, like you get Michael Penix, get a shot at Michael Penix, or somehow can convince Chicago if they have the top two picks to trade up to get Caleb Williams, which is might be possible. I think they might, he might try to stay. Uh, But another name I thought, and this is why I brought Dable up too, is there are rumblings right now 
that Bill Belichick could be on his uh, last legs in New England. Not that he would get fired, but that he will um, that he will uh, step down. Belichick was on my hot seat. I think Belichick's done after this year. He's... Do you think that there's a chance that Belichick goes somewhere else? It's possible. I could see him if Brandon Saley gets fired. I could see him going to the Chargers. If he would, because he's still going to try and catch up to Don Shula for the all-time winning record or all-time wins. Another name I could see getting fired: Ron Rivera. Arthur Smith, if he doesn't bench Ritter for Taylor Heineke, he should be fired. It's possible. I do think the rumblings right now on Twitter um, are that if Belichick leaves, he is going to try and get that Giants job. And I can see it happening. Something I could see happening is, like I said, I think Dable might want out too. So I think a very realistic scenario would be Belichick to the Giants and then Dable goes to the Chargers. I can see that. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I think it'd be a mistake for the Giants to let go of Dable when Daniel Jones is your quarterback. One hundred percent, Larry. Yeah, but all right, Larry, we're gonna let you go, and then we're gonna do a little bit of a deep dive. But as always, Larry, thank you for joining us, and hopefully, if Liam plays, we can have you come up and have another victory lap next week. All right, buddy. Of course, you let you guys let me know, and I'll be on. Sounds good, my friend. Sure. Have a good one, guys. You too. All right, as always, thanks, Larry. Very fun. I do did enjoy some of his uh, player comparisons this week, and I think that's going to make some for some uh, great content, both the website, Instagram, and Twitter. Yeah, I think Larry's had his moment. Yeah, it was very good. And, of course, the moment we've all been waiting for, the Dolphins versus the Eagles, Sunday Night Football. This is going to be a t- this is a tough game to look at for multiple reasons, uh, but one one thing to look at as well is one thing we are struggling with a lot is stopping <laughs> the run, and some of the Eagles' highest ranked players per PFF are their offensive linemen. Their second highest rated player is left tackle Jordan Melada. Their fourth best, highest rated player is Lane Johnson at right tackle, though he may be out this week. You have center Jason Kelsey as the sixth rated player. Landon Dickerson, the seventh rated player at guard. Cam, another guard, Cam Jurgens is 10th. And then Dallas Goddard at tight end, who's also a good blocker in the top 10 as well. So the Eagles have had, like, let's be honest, the Eagles haven't put a complete game together. They are struggling a bit transitioning away from Steichen's offense to uh, Brian Johnson's offensive coordinator. They are having some struggles getting the passing game going, but that running game is doing really well. Uh, I believe DeAndre Swift is still top five in, ru- in rushing yards, or it was a, a week ago. Didn't have the best game last week. Severely underperformed his expected yards per run. Uh, admittedly, they did play a really good defense in the in the Jets. And that defensive line, I don't know about you, Jordan, but that defensive line does scare me a bit, especially if um, Connor Williams is not healthy. Yeah, you look at that defense, and I know we were sent over um, 
and looked over the PFF grades. Um, it's it was crazy, and it was the first thing you said to me that that jumped off the board to you. Um, how dominant Jalen Carter has been this year. Um, looking at this game, I know people were talking about the Philly se- uh, secondary, uh, specifically their safeties and the way their safeties will play our receivers. Um, but what worries me the most, uh, or what I'm most um, interested to see very early in the game, and we'll know the answer right away, um, is how those defensive tackles um, are going to be against our interior offensive line, um, especially if Connor Williams uh, doesn't play. Um, I know we all have fun and say Liam um, and Larry's on the show and hypes Liam up, um, but I don't want Liam Eichenberg uh, going up against Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter. Um, I think no matter what, um, I look for two things for the Dolphins. I look for them to look better than they looked against the Bills. Okay, And I don't think that that's very hard. Um, but I also want to leave the game healthy. Um, and I know that people joke. Um, and, and we say this all the time, and, and it's a weird thing to wish for. Um, but I, I think that we're in a situation where I feel like whenever the Dolphins get to this point, whether it's Tannehill or whether it's Tua or whether it's other guys who've gotten hurt um, over the last decade, it feels to me that it comes in anticipated games. Um, I'd like to see us just get through the game healthy, get through the game competitive, and give ourselves something to build on. I, I think you don't want to go in and get blown out, um, and I think you don't want to go in and get hurt. Um, so if we can do those two things, I think there are areas of the game that we can um, kind of look at. Um, I think we'll be able to run the ball on the on the perimeter. Um, I think we'll be able to throw the ball. I think we can throw the ball against anybody in the league. Um, I, I look for their corners to play physical. Um, and I think that with guys like Tyreek and Jalen, while that's good to do, um, I, I only think you can do it so much because I think they're going to find ways to get by you. Um, it, it's like facing a boxer, like, they're going to figure out what you're doing. You might be able to overpower them. You might be stronger than them. You might be physical with them, Um, but they'll dance and they'll figure out ways to get open and get successful. Um, I look for the dolphins to play well, Um, but I also am interested to see uh, what that defensive line is going to do to us. And if you see their defensive line dominating early, uh, we could be in for a long night. Yeah, Jordan Davis, I watched him last week. He looks like he ate Liam Eikenberg, and I think he might actually do it on Sunday if they get matched up against each other. And that's not an insult to Ike. That's just, that is a bad man at defensive tackle. Um, Now, at the same time, talking about the secondary, Darius Slay is having by far his worst season in the NFL right now. Uh, PFF actually has him ranked at 52.3 which is not very good. Um, Sidney Brown is actually ranked as the best corner for Philly at 82.1. Now I'm pretty sure he's been hurt. So I think that is based off of limited snaps. Um, and like I said, he's coming off of an injury, so don't know how he's going to play, but they don't really have an impressive secondary. I think we will have some success there. It's all about the front seven. Um, Sean Desai is the new defensive coordinator. For the Eagles, he is a Fangio disciple. And as we know, Fangio was actually a consultant last year for the Eagles during their Super Bowl run. So hopefully the familiarity is going to be there. Excuse me. I think it's going to be a close game. But I do think 
we are still struggling to stop the run a little too much for my liking, and that's the one thing the Eagles can do. I expect this to be a very close game, but for the first time this season, and I hope I am wrong, but I am actually going to pick against our beloved Miami Dolphins, and I actually think we are going to lose late, and it's going to be 34-31. Oh, well, we can't both be downers, can we? <laughs> we could. Um, we don't have to. So I look, I, I look at uh, the Eagles, um, and the first thing I do when I look um, at a team to try to figure out how we're going to play them um, is I look at teams that have had success against them. Um, and I think teams have had more success throwing than they've had running um, because I think, like you said, their front seven is really good. Um, you look at... Um, Minnesota was able to throw the ball against them really well. Cousins had 364 yards and four touchdowns. They only had 28 yards rushing in that game. Now, you can't really look at Eagles' losses because they only have one, but you can look at um, kind of what teams have done to them that have scored a lot of points. The Commanders scored 31 points. Uh, Sam Howell, 290 yards and a touchdown. Um, they only had 109 yards rushing, which I think is a little lower than Washington likes. Um but I think the key that you see here on when teams score against them, that being Kirk Cousins, that being um, Sam Howell, and that being Zach Wilson, who beat them last week, um, although the Jets scored 20 points, they still beat them, is none of them turn the ball over. None of them, not Cousins, not Sam Howell, and not Zach Wilson, turn the ball over. And I think that if you just play solid football, we're a good football team. And I think Dolphin fans um, have a little PTSD um, and a little bit of issues remembering that we're a really good football team. Uh, and I think that we are going to take the Bills game personally. Um, I said before the Bills game that it worried me a little bit that the Bills, how much they were going to want that game. Um, I think that the Eagles and Dolphins are going into this game as a good measuring stick. I don't think there's a lot of bad blood on either side. I don't think we're necessarily rivals. I think Philly fans are just Philly fans. Um, and I think that it's going to be a fun atmosphere. Uh, I am going to pick the Dolphins to win. Ironically, I also had a scoring 31 points. I have the final score being 31-30 Dolphins. Yeah. And like I said, like I agree with everything you said. I think it's going to be a close game, and it would not shock me if we did win. One thing I am kind of worried about, and it's weird to say this, but the Eagles have been very sloppy on offense. The issue is our defense does not create turnovers. We're getting all this pressure. I believe we only have three forced turnovers this year, and two of them came in the Denver game. So we're not getting to the ball. We will get the opportunities to get get turnovers. Eagles have been, like I said, have been very sloppy. I just think the run, the uh, offensive line for the Eagles against our defensive line will be a difference and. We, we kind of mentioned it earlier, Jordan. We score a little too fast. So I think the Eagles are going to slow the game down. And I think it just comes down to whoever has the ball last. And I just – I have a feeling it'll be the Eagles. But I think it's going to be a very close game. I think we're in a good spot. At the same time, our picks don't matter. What everybody needs to do is wait for when Discord dog Sebastian releases his pick later this week. Because for those who haven't been paying attention – that dog is six and own his picks. So if he picks us, 
you know we're winning. Yeah, it's a lot is going to be um, raining on Sebastian. So I hope he picks us. Me too. I'll gladly be, able to be the villain of Dolphins Twitter for a day for getting the pick wrong. But everybody knows I'm a huge Dolphins fan. But we are moving on to the list. Uh, once again, there's going to be – well, I, I didn't really get told I had a choice. But there are going to be two people inducted into the list this week. And those would be Ben Solak, who – I don't know if he's still with the uh, Draft Network, but he was. And uh, Sam Manson, Manson excuse me, of PFF. And the reason they are going on the list is they are both notorious Tua haters, which is, you can be critical of Tua. We've never said you couldn't be critical of Tua. The issue they're go- that they had this week is not only did they decide to criticize Tua, they did it in a way to prop up Justin Herbert for not coming into clutch. Now, I like Justin Herbert. He's a member of the list now, but I like him. I have seen way too many people in the last four years invent stats to tear down Tua. I didn't even know turnover-worthy plays was an actual stat until last year. Now, I learned this week that there's a stat called big-time throws that they used to show, that both of these two used to show that Justin Herbert is better than Tua. I'm tired of made-up stats that can be, that you can manipulate no matter what and just come up with names to make a quarterback look good. Neither of these two did it, but I saw someone in Venice, a chart today that showed rhythm throws top rhythm throws, and I don't get it. So Ben Solak and Sam Manson, just for being Herbert Dick Riders, you both are on the list. Now, Jordan, I hear you have one as well. So I said to you coming on, I said, I don't have a name. I said, I don't want to do it. I got in trouble last week. I don't want to do it. Um, But... It's not the person you think it is. Don't worry. I'm not causing more controversy. Um, I was just sent something. Did you see Colin Cowherd's top 10 quarterback list yet? Yeah. So here is Colin Cowherd's top 10 quarterbacks. One through five are Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, and Justin Herbert. Number six is Lamar Jackson. Number seven is Matthew Stafford. Number eight is Jalen Hurts. Number nine is Jared Goff. And number 10 is Tua Tungavailoa. Brett, what do you think about that? I saw him do that live, and his whole excuse is weak arm and concussion issues. And I just. And what's his argument for Matthew Stafford? He's hurt and old. That well, that's. I'd rather take that. Yeah, that was his reason for him not being a top quarterback, but he just said because he has a strong arm still. Yeah, I don't know, but Colin Cowherd, I know, um, he says stupid shit, um, and he's said stupid shit for long enough. Um, That's one of many things I've seen him already say about Tua. I wasn't going to do it. I wasn't going to get riled up. I wasn't going to put anybody on the list, Um, but Colin Cowherd deserves it. 
Um, so along with your two names, Colin Cowherd is now on the list. And if you would like to see all the names that have already been added to the list, I remind you that listpodcast.com is now active. And we actually have a section where you can see the original list that made us famous or that made the gave this podcast its name. Um, and you can see all the names that have already been put on the list to this point. Listpodcast.com, anywhere you have internet. And just to add to Cowherd, I don't know if you saw this too. He was that he then came out and said, "Yes, this was yesterday too." In the same breath, he said, "Miami can throw it better than anybody, but they're not going to have warm weather all year. It's going to get cold. They need to prove they can run." We have the most efficient run game in the NFL, and it's not even close. So and a run first coach. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like, what are you watching? Like, if we didn't already put Stephen A. Smith on the list, I would say put him too. I don't know if you saw this clip where he said Tyree Kill is more important than Tua because all Tua does is throw two two-yard passes to Tyree Kill and he takes it to the house. And while he's saying that, they're showing multiple 40-yard bombs to Tyree Kill. Not the same play over and over again, but there's three or four different plays. So... Jordan, what all do what do I always say? Don't say stupid shit. Yeah, but I couldn't put Stephen A. Smith back on the list because he's already there. Yeah, I know. I was saying I wish we could put him back on the list, but it's just like tell me you don't watch the game without telling me you don't watch the game. He doesn't watch the game, dude. He doesn't. Well, Jordan, it's about time for us to sign off. Do you have anything you want to add before? and tell the audience before we leave. Um, again, we have a, a website that's now up. Um, our Twitter has gained some traction over the last week. Uh, I, I think that our brand is growing at a rate um, that you and I are both very, very happy with. Um, so I want to thank all the people that are involved in putting this together. Um, I know we have times where we talk shit um, and we have our moments, but I am very appreciative of all the people that go into making this. Uh, from the producers to the people that send us content, to the people that run social media, to the people that did the website. Um, it's it's really um, a lot more than just you or I, and I think you and I um, probably will get most of the credit because we're on air. Um, but it, it's more about the people in the back. Um, so shout out to them as always. Um, and, and this is a lot of fun. So check out listpodcast.com. Follow us on all social medias. Um, and keep the brain growing. Absolutely. And I will say this as well. I know you all can just go to a bar and talk shit about sports with your buddies, but I'm glad you all decide to join us and listen to us do that instead. But as always, for Zach, for Jordan, my name's Brett. We are The List, and we are watching. Zach, hit that music. (laughs) 